Father, we love you, and we thank you that you're doing something powerful here in our midst. Lord, it seems like uh, just how you work throughout history is you gather people, you kind of invade them with the Holy Spirit, and then you send them out. We believe that you're doing something really powerful, bigger than what we could ask or imagine here in the midst of us at the harbor, and we want to be a part. So Lord, we pray, God, speak to us. You are the King, you're the Master, and you're the Lord. And you, this is your army, to use one picture. We are the body, and we are your bride. You're our husband. So we submit to you again this morning and say, Lord Jesus, have your way with your people. Lord, open up our ears to hear what you're saying, and let us obey. Let us people who hear and obey. Or as the old hymn says, let us trust and obey. Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Lord, let that be our hearts today, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, did you guys like hearing from Jade last week? Come on. There we go. I feel it. Everyone's making space in their hearts for me. They're being very gracious to me. Something changed while I was gone. So thank you, Jade and Brian, for bringing that powerful word. And what a good setup for us as we uh, have today's message and head into our, um, our whole march preparing for Easter. I'll share more about that uh, really starting next week. But I have a burden on my heart, and um, I don't have a great introduction, so if you don't mind, I'm just going to get right into it. Is that okay? <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, we're talking about the church, and uh, I have a burden today for the church, a burden for you, for us, and being all that God has called us to be. And uh, we said, thanks to Jonathan Frizz and maybe some others, where's Jonathan? Jonathan has a great little expression. He says, the church is relationships with, come on, someone give me some encouragement today, relationships with purpose, okay, cheaters, okay, relationships with a purpose, everyone say that, relationships with a purpose, relationships with a purpose, that is the church, now two weeks ago we talked about that purpose and we had our framework, Isaiah 52, we said, okay God, what's our task or what are you doing through the church, and through Isaiah 52 we said, well, one thing God's doing is he's healing and delivering, right? And I hope, you know, this, this place, the harbor, haven for the broken, launch the nations, my prayer is that as you experience God, you're getting healed and delivered. Did you feel the Spirit of God when we started to sing that, that song? I forgot her name, who's the artist, and um, Over the Barrenness? Yeah, Catherine Scott. Man, the Spirit of God just lit me up there. I had to slow down and choke back the tears because I just thank you, God, you know, that that's your song over us, Lord. Over the brokenness, over the barrenness, you're coming again. God is devoted to healing you. He is more into your wholeness than you are, and He is relentless. And as I read Isaiah, not just 52, but over and over again, the theme in Isaiah is that although we rebel, He is after us, and He's after you to get you whole, because He loves you. This is the church. It's a place of healing and deliverance. And I pray that as we pray for each other during our worship times, as you go to faith group, and as you get in relationships, you are sensing the healing and deliverance of God. It's what Jesus came on the earth to do. We know from Isaiah 61, so I pray that you're encountering that. We talked about last week also that one of the purposes of the church is evangelism. Everyone say evangelism with a smile. Yeah, okay. If you're like me, I actually hate that word and I get really nervous about it. So the fun thing is, starting next week to Easter, it's, we're really going to get changed because I'm getting pumped about evangelism and I'm not even going to tell you how awesome it is. I'll start next week. But um, you're going to be seeing it with a smile next week, okay? Because it is good news. And like we looked at, how beautiful are the feet who bring good news. Yes, I actually need more hoes. Can I have another hoe, please? Come on! God is going to change things through evangelism. He's going to change us, okay? Praise God. Amen. He's going to make it not... A, uh, <laughs> I won't have to make you smile when you say it, because God's going to visit us, okay? Another purpose of the church, prayer. 
Okay, God has called us to be a praying people. His house should be called the house of prayer. Where's Stephen and Emily Hartley? I need your help right now. Okay, here we go. Stephen, Emily, come on up. You guys start right here. Okay, it's go time, people. We talk about prayer, and you say ho. Everyone say ho. There we go. You guys, we talk about prayer. Now we're going to start doing it. All right, now is when the rubber meets the road. Jonathan Frizz and I and other pastors of the North Shore, we've been working hard at the, um, mainly Jonathan Frizz, let me say that, we've been working hard at making an approach towards 24-7 prayer among a group of voluntary, what do we call it, Jonathan? A coalition of the willing, right? A coalition of willing churches moving towards 24-7 prayer because we know that God's not going to move unless we start praying. So now it's go time. And the churches have gotten together and we've said, okay, we can do 48 hours per week, right? So we're not going to do 24-7, we're going to do 24-2. And everyone has a slice of the pie. And the harbor slice of the pie right now is six hours. So I'm wondering, among these 150 people, can I find six hours per week worth of people? Our six hours right now are Monday nights from 6 to 10 p.m. and Friday mornings from 6 to 8 a.m. There's a sign-up sheet that's going to go around. You can sign up for, we're just going to do a month at a time right now. So for the month of March, will you consider praying an hour? If you've got one hour in you during the month, sign up for it, okay? If you've got an hour every week, sign up for that continuous thing. But sign up for praying. And the model that we, we're calling this, we're calling this tabernacle to, uh, excuse me, tent, oh, sorry, tabernacle to temple. Actually, I think I wrote it wrong on the sheet. Forgive me. I have a lot of T words in my mind sometimes. So it's, it's tabernacle to temple. And what I mean is, For these next few months, March to September, the location of this 24-2 prayer is going to change. This March, it's at Emmanuel Congregational Church where we used to meet, 140 Bridge Street. And eventually we hope by faith that in October it will land at the Kingdom Life Center, which is a beautiful building in Salem. That's where we're headed. But we've got to start. And our goal as a bunch of pastors is to see, can we start praying 24-2 so that maybe as we get to 2013, we can head towards 24-7 prayer. I'm asking you, if you've got a little prayer in you, then you sign up for one of these slots, okay? I've only got two slots in there, two people, but let's have 100 people if you want it every hour. It doesn't bother me. But just sign up for something. That's coming around, and Steve and Emily are going to make sure it gets around in every section here. Amen? Come on, amen? Okay, we're going to see the world changed by praying. Thank you. We talked about last week, another purpose is worship. We're here to worship. How many had a good time on Friday night at Storehouse Session 1? Good time? There we go. I mean, I feel this morning, I feel like there's an extra flow here. I, I don't know if it's just Freedom Sunday or what, but the, there's something about when we worship, brings God's presence, God sets us free. We're going to be a people who worship. And finally, we talked about, we looked at the verse there, Isaiah 52, it says, the Lord wants to bear his arm in the nations, okay? He wants to flex his muscles in the nations. And how God flexes his muscles in the nations is he plants churches because church planting as I'll explain maybe some other time, it's actually the best form of that E word we talked about before. Can you guys smile and say it? Yeah. Actually, the most effective way to evangelize is by church planning. That's why we started the harbor. That's why the harbor is going to start other churches. We'll talk about that more later. But those are the purposes that we looked at last week. This week we're looking at relationship. Everyone say relationship. Because the thing we need to understand with all these glorious purposes that God has for us, right? And remember, my burden is this. Um, I, I, had a, I had a nice little introduction two weeks ago with Beauty and the Beast. Remember that? <clears throat> I love those songs. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So the whole point was, you guys know the story, if Belle did not persevere 
and uh, get to the point where she saw something beautiful in the beast, she would have missed her prince. And my concern of the church is, with all these awesome tasks, if we don't see the beauty of relationship and how God has called us, we're going to miss His purposes, all right? So how we do all these tasks, the worship, the prayer, the church planning, how we do it isn't by having better programs or having more inspirational teaching or whatnot, but how we do it or how God does church is through relationships, okay? And let me share with you how that works. Can I? It's a privilege. Actually, God has a word for us. God's going to share how He wants to do it. It's in Ephesians. So if you would do me a favor, turn to Ephesians 3. We're going to get a little bit of Paul's heart for the church and why I want it to be our heart. Because I love the church. Can you just say that? I love the church. Everyone say that. Amen. I don't believe you. I love the church. Yes, God loves the church. It's his bride. Jesus died for us, and he's passionately pursuing, pursuing us. Sorry. <clears throat> Some of my vowels and consonants are a little weak this morning. <clears throat> Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus. This church started in a glorious adventure. If you remember Acts 18, Paul and his buddies show up in Ephesus, and he does what he normally does, which is he spends time at the synagogue and starts to share with them, hey guys, guess what? The Messiah came. Let me tell you about him. He did that for about two months, I think it says in Acts 18, maybe three. And then they didn't like him doing that anymore. The religious people got annoyed at the whole Jesus message, and so they kicked him out. And so Paul went to, actually it says he went to like a meeting hall, right? He went to the uh, elementary school gym in Ephesus and started preaching there, okay? And he gathered a little church. And then he ended up staying there for three years, loving on these guys, seeing this church planted and established. And they saw some awesome stuff. They lived an awesome church adventure together, right? Do you guys remember the seven sons of Sceva? Right? These are guys who wanted to just use the name of Jesus to cast out uh, evil spirits. And they tried to use that name. It didn't work. They got beat up really bad. It's, it's a cool story. You should read it. I mean, it's, it's, you just got to believe it by reading it. It's hard to really believe what else happened? All these sorcerers, all these witches got together and they got convicted by the love of God. Jesus got a hold of their lives and so they, they threw away all their sorcery stuff, right? They were burning all their scrolls. They had a book burning party because they got so in love with Jesus and they realized how wicked their ways were. My point is this, is that these guys for three years lived life together and a bond was formed. So now years later, Paul is in prison in Rome and he's writing to them and he's calling to mind the beauty of the church. Listen to Paul's burden. Ephesians 3, let's start at oh, 07. There's not as much as on the screen, so I'm going I'm to back up a little bit from what's up there, but we'll get there. So here's Paul in a prison cell saying, I became a servant. NIV is so um, <clears throat> wimpy. I became a slave. I became a slave of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Right? Jesus did this to me. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, and Paul's not just being falsely humble there, he's aware of the fact that he used to pursue Christians to kill them. This grace was given me. This is what God called me to do. To preach to the Gentiles, the nations, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So what is the mystery? What's the administration of the mystery? Is it an awesome evangelism campaign? Is it a new website so people can get to know Jesus better? Is it a cool social networking uh, campaign on Facebook and Twitter so more people can know about Jesus who won't come to church? 
This is it. Look at verse 10. His intent was that now through the church. Okay, everyone say church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, in that picture, the the manifold wisdom of God. It's like, oh, you know when light comes through a diamond? And it's reflected and it's beautiful. There's all these facets of the diamond and the rainbow of colors is displayed. That's what God means. Or that's what Paul means. That's what the Spirit of God means through Paul in this scripture is that the manifold, beautiful, technicolor, awesome, multifaceted wisdom of God is shown through, guess what? That guy right there, Josh Booth, sitting behind the, the laptop. God's glory, but not just him alone, but him sitting in relationship with Renee, Macaulay. And who's there? Anne? And, right, the mystery of God's power, taking these three people, and then you three, and you three, and you three, and you three, and he takes us and he shows his glory. And it's not just so that the world can say, wow, cool church. It's bigger than we think. Who else is being changed by this? Look, it says, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Okay? Something way bigger than you and me is going on. And the angels and demons are taking notice of you and me and God doing a work in the church. Isn't that awesome? The burden I have today is our opinion of church is too low. Belle's opinion of the beast was too low until she got a revelation. Thank you. <laughs> you get it? Our, re- our, our, our view is too low, right? Because we're like, oh, I guess I'll go to church or maybe I'll go to faith group. I don't, you know, whatever. I don't care. I'm not here to drum up attendance because that's the dumbest thing I could do. But I am trying to drum up that these relationships in this room right now, our relationships with the other churches on the North Shore, your relationships with those people in your faith group are exactly what God's trying to get a hold of so we can be all that He wants us to be. Are you with me? Amen? It's what He wants to do. And it's bigger than we think. You guys notice this proliferation of extreme things? You know, has, have the X Games happened yet? They're extreme. Have we seen those? I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been to a bar, watched the TV lately. Okay. So, <laughs> we'll, sh- we'll let that one slide. Extreme. Extreme games, right? Or what did I just read in Reader's Digest? Oh, you can pay, you can drop $200,000 and we'll take you to the space station, right? That'll be a fun plane ride. Who wants to go skydiving? Let's go. Any skydivers out there? Yes. There you go. Don't be afraid. Come on. Be, I'm not going to rebuke you in public anyways, Okay. My point is this. There's this insatiable appetite for the extreme. And I'm telling you, God's made church extreme. Please go skydiving. If you got the 200 grand, please go to the space station. But also, would you please recognize that God's doing something big here and it's extreme. Amen? Amen. Okay, how does this work? Backtrack with me to Ephesians 2. Let's start at 19. Ephesians 2, 19. So we get that it's through relationships. This whole thing's bigger than we realize. Now how does it work? Maybe I should look at my notes. I don't know. Let's see. Okay. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Okay, remember, he's talking to Gentiles who previously have been excluded from the Jewish synagogue. So he's saying, hey guys, you're all part of the family now. Okay, black, white, male, female, slave, free. You're all part of the family. No one's not included. You're fellow citizens with God's people. Members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together, 
and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. This is a miracle, people. How did God used to dwell with His people in the Old Testament? How did God dwell? Yeah, okay, tabernacle, right? Tabernacle, Holy of Holies, Ark of the Covenant. Anyone see Raiders of the Lost Ark? I feel really embarrassed. I mentioned this. I went to the Monday night small group, Jeremy and Jared's small group two weeks ago. I was like, who saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? You know, crickets, <laughs> scratch head. I was like, so 81. Yeah, I was nine years old and Raiders came out. I'll just tell that truth. These guys weren't even like a twinkle in their parents' eyes yet. So, Wow. Raise the lost ark. Wonderful. Lost ark. Anyways, the ark. The ark of the covenant. God used to dwell in the ark of the covenant. Cloud of fire by night. Pillar of smoke by day. And that's how God dwelt with his people. And look at this awesome thing. It's what the Old Testament prophets were longing for. They were longing for the fact that God would dwell in our relationship. Right? Not just in that cool cloud. I really wish I could have seen the cloud. But I'm more content today living the 21st century as a follower of Jesus because God has this miraculous thing going on where we have a relationship and God's presence shows up, right? We're, we're a whole building joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. It's not a physical thing anymore. It's our relationships that bring God's presence. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Here, Jonathan, come on up. Jonathan Frizz, all the way from the back. Yep, let go of your wife. It's okay. She'll be there at the end. <clears throat> Come on. Jonathan Frizz, where two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst, said Jesus. So guess what? Jonathan and I, come on up. We are different. (laughs) And we have different callings, and there's a wonderful tension in that. But you know what? God has decided that in our relationship, His presence will dwell. He doesn't have the whole corner on the prayer market. I don't have the whole corner of the prayer market or whatever markets we want to say. I don't know. Jonathan doesn't know I was doing this until five minutes ago. So. I'm just saying like here in, this, in our relationship, that's where God can tabernacle in our relationship, right? Renee, come on up. Yep, she didn't know. Come on. Surprise, surprise, surprise. There we go. Holy, holy, holy. Makes mistakes, makes mistakes, makes mistakes, okay? Weak, fleshly, right? You know, like, we all got our problems, and yet in God's mercy, God's decided that His presence will dwell in us just being in relationship together. And it's awesome. Pound it for Jesus. <laughs> PFJ. Okay? Al, come on up. All the way from Paris, France. Al and I are different. Yet we're the same in that both our wives are 12 years younger than us. Praise the Lord. Woo! <laughs> 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 Al just said they had their fourth kid, 50 years old. Al, I love you. You're my mentor. Thank you. <laughs> Honey, is that cool? We'll go to four. All right. Presence of God, right? We're together, and there's something about the presence of God. His presence will dwell in our relationship, right? We're different. We have different approaches to everything. But there's something about us being together that, that matters for the presence of God. Okay, and let me just, there's a journey here implied. It says, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling which God lives by his spirit. There is a journey. We journey together. Now, my concern, I keep saying this word burden. My burden is, here in New England, we kind of do this. Can we all do this to each other? Let's do a little arm's length thing. Yeah. Oh, no, farther, farther. Yeah. Okay. 
I can say this. Wait over there. We'll get you up here more. That's good. Okay. I can say this because I'm a New Englander. And this is what we do. We show up at church, polite, gentle, all that. But when it comes to like getting real with each other, it's sometimes we just keep everyone at arm's length, right? I'm okay. You're okay. Back off. I'm going to attend Sunday, but I'm going to peace later, you know? Again, this isn't a, I'm not doing an attendance campaign thing, by the way. But I just, I just am worried that as a church, there's so much more of us to enter into, right? Al, Al knows a lot about me, actually, because when I first met Al 10 years ago, I started to pour out my heart to him. Al, we need to get heart to heart, actually. We need to get update. But Al knows a lot of my brokenness. He knows my hurt and my pain. He knows a lot about my journey with Kelsey and all our ups and downs. And I've let him in there. He's been a safe place to me. I'm so glad, you know? It's so good. And Renee, I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have a long history, right? Here, let's get you a mic. Here, just. Um, I used to live with the Frizzes for like a oh, year. Oh, there you go. So. You got, hold on. So, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> Renee, preach. Oh, I used to live with the Frizzes for like a year. And so, wow, like I still miss that. We had really, really good times around the kitchen table. Sometimes go. Jean would come in, have a cup of coffee. I was studying for seminary. And then. We'd have these crazy theological discussions like at breakfast or something. So, but yeah, that like really built relationship with them. And so like I spent Thanksgiving with them and Christmas with them. And it was like, whatever. Cause I mean, I lived with them. So nice it was just easy, easy with the kids. Like whenever I'm with the kids, it's like I'm their aunt because like I lived with them. Amen. So. There's some family. Okay. Now. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now guess what? Sometimes in family, honey, is this true? Is there sometimes friction in families? occasionally there is, right? There's friction. Is there friction sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. But what I want to make the case for, I know that you're, you're getting the whole deal, but the case, uh, the thing I want to say is those who stay in relationship get the prize, okay? Yeah, clap, clap, clap. All right. Okay? If you will stay in relationship, you'll get the prize. I can't tell you how fun it was. I just went to North Africa and the guy who's leading the team there, he's a guy who, when I was a freshman at Baylor, well, first of all, the, of the couple who's leading there, the couple, uh, Mark and Dana, I'll just say that, Dana was my freshman faith group leader. Okay, and here she is in the nation. So 20 years later, I can show up in another part of the country, and we're family, right? <clears throat> and the husband, Mark, man, precious man of God. I remember going through the dorms in Baylor and learning with him how to share the gospel or just how to invite people to have you know, a little prayer time there. I'm just so glad, all right? Last week, or two weeks ago, we had, um, uh, we had uh, let's see, CFI, this organization, has a board, and um, we had Jimmy Seibert, who's the pastor of our Sending Sending Church, Antioch Community Church. He was on Skype, kind of in our board meeting by Skype, and he said, listen, you guys, he's speaking to me and Jeff and Sean, pastors of their church in our movement. He said, what you guys have is rare. He says, you guys did this, you know, you started... 15 or 12 years ago, and you're still together. Isn't that sad that in the body of Christ, that's rare? And that's my burden for us this morning, among others, is we've got to decide to stay together in a relationship, especially when it's hard. Because what do we do in America, right? We friction, we bounce off, we go, oh, see you later. Good Good to know you. I'll do my thing, you do yours, right? It's just what we do, you know? So we press into each other. And pressing to each other gets fun, right? John and I just spent five days together in North Africa. Now I know. You know, I can't get to bed at night because this retainer thing glows in the dark for a minute or two, you know? And so... And now he knows when I have the wrong food, I still make skid marks in my underwear from time to time, okay? 
too intense. Okay. <laughs> honestly, though, our five days together, honestly, our, our five days together, though, is worth probably 10 of our, of our formal, uh, which they're important, as we, that we do as an organization. But as an organization, we do formal kind of, hey, how are you doing? How am I doing? You know? How do you know me? How do I know you? Let's get through this. And we have those in our, in our thing, in our, um, in our staffing. But man, just walking together for a few days changes all that. Amen? Amen. We've got to stick together. Thank you, guys. Round of applause. Yeah. Uh-oh. I'm running out of time. Here we go. Let's look at one other thing. Okay? But we're being built together. So when it's trial time, when you're frustrated with your faith group leader, you know, you got a choice. You press in or you move back. Now let's see how Paul says we should press in. How do we press in? Turn to Ephesians 4. 14 to 16. I'm going to start a little bit earlier, okay? Just to get context. John, sorry about my underwear. (laughs) Thank you, God. Okay. I'm going to start at 11. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be prophets, excuse me, apostles, apostolic authority, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers, to prepare God's work for the, excuse me, prepare God's people for the works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul's saying, hey, a burden I have for you, church in Ephesus. Spent two years with you. You guys, we've got to get mature. We need to grow up. What does growing up look like? Now we look at 14, 15, 16. Then, as being mature, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming, right? A consequence of us not pressing into relationship, we actually make ourselves vulnerable to deception. Okay, that's why, another reason why we press into relationship. I know it's easier in North America to just, just like Jonathan and I just did, just spin away from each other won't deal with you. I can go to another church. I'll go to another faith group. I'll hang out with other people and I just won't deal with it. But the result of that is you both stay immature. So what does Paul say to do? Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. Now man, if there's a miracle in the New Testament, there's a miracle. It's being able to do both. Speak the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him, the whole body. So instead of a building analogy, we have a body picture, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, we need to learn to speak the truth in love to one another. John and I had the privilege of seeing two teams in North Africa, and we got to be on the ground with them as far as this very thing, okay? They need to... (laughs) Um, let me just say this. Speaking the truth in love is needed everywhere, okay? Whether you're in the heat of battle in Northwest Africa or whether you're here at Beverly Mass, all teams, all people called together, all families with a mission, all relationships with a purpose, we need to speak the truth in love to each other. I'm so thankful. Can I just tell you, you guys who've spoken truth in love for me said, hey, you need to change this, Naylor. That's kind of not becoming of a pastor. Have you thought about how this affects people when you say that? All those challenges I get, 
If I'm defensive at the beginning, I apologize, but eventually I do get to the place of thank you that they took the time to share that with me so I can grow. And I pray that you do the same thing with your friends, the people you walk with, because it's going to be what makes the difference. You guys remember Joe Ewan was here a few weeks ago, about three or four weeks ago, preaching from Isaiah 9, the fiery Scottish man, former, former um, <clears throat> fisherman. He said a great thing. He went to Bethel. Oh, I have, I, have a, I have a good story on this too. I have two, two things here. Okay. So he went to Bethel, great church, Redding, California. Some of you guys are probably connected to it um, electronically. And, um, but he said, you know what's great about Bethel is, Bethel, they have apostolic authority. In other words, they have some relationships. The leaders at the top have relationship with each other. They said they have, they have prophetic uh, influence. In other words, there's people who are free to share the heart and mind of God, you know, as they read scripture and whatever. And he said... And because of those two things, that creates a space for the supernatural. In other words, Joe's conclusion from being at Bethel was um, that, um, sorry, it was just that um, uh, when these things are in line, when people are walking in relationship together, that that creates space for a move of God. You get in the picture? Relationship. It's what matters. And we need to be committed to it. We need to be committed to speaking the truth in love to one another. Relationships with a purpose. This is the heart of God for the church. So Jenna, why don't you come on up in your team. And this is what I'm going to invite us to think about. Church is relationships with a purpose. We need to tend to the relationships. You need to care about the relationships. It matters how you deal with the people in your faith group. It matters how you deal with conflict among your brothers and sisters. It matters, it matters, it matters. So what I want to do is I just want to open us up for what I'm just going to call it generally, we just got a few minutes here, but I'm just going to call it generally moving towards one another in relationship, okay? I don't want to put a super spiritual thing to it, but I want to say is, for example, if there's someone here and you have something between you, an offense, or you're feeling weird around this person, will you just move towards them? Will you take the first step and initiate and just say, hey, can we just pray together? Uh, you know, I'm feeling this. Because that's what it's about, speaking the truth in love and clearing the air, so to speak, right? Families do it, right? When a family is dysfunctional, then people don't operate correctly. When this family is dysfunctional, we don't walk in all the grace that God has. And so we need to deal with the dysfunctions. Where, where is their relationship that is out of tune? Okay, you just initiate that person. Because we only have a few minutes here. You just say, hey, love you. You know, if we need to talk later, we can. But can we just pray together in God's presence, you know? You guys getting what I'm saying? Or maybe you just see someone who you don't know before and they're alone. It doesn't have to be a big reconciling thing. Maybe there's someone who you just want to say, hey, I just want to say hello to you. You know, how are you? I'm here. You know, what's your deal? <laughs> I mean, where are you from? Sorry. We don't have to assume negativity all the time. I just mean, you know, how are you doing? You know, you know, see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be a super spiritual thing. Just can we please move towards each other relationally? This is your family and God is going to do something powerful with this family as we walk his family on mission. Amen? Amen? Okay, you guys stand up. Thank you, Lord. It matters how we deal with the relationships here. I want to read a picture from, to get us inspired, I want to read a picture from the second to last book of the Bible, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any 
see. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Okay, that's you and me. That's the people of God through the ages. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and women, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Look, that's the church. It's where we're going to end up. We're the bride of Christ. It's where we're headed. But why impede the flow of what God's wanting to do on this earth because we're just not willing to get things right with our brother and sister? Because we don't appreciate you know, each other's giftings. We don't make space for each other, like Jade said last week. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you that in your mercy you've called us to relationship. The church is relationships, not a program, not a building. And Lord, I know we know it, but yet we need to know it more. We need to live it more. Thank you, Lord. It was your plan. Lord, you took 12 people with tons of tensions between them. Some zealous, some wanting to overthrow the government, some just plain ordinary fishermen. You took a crazy bunch of people, had them walk together for your purposes. God, you're wanting to do the same thing with us, God. We've got our tensions. We've got our disagreements. We've got theological differences, political differences. We've got racial differences. We've got gender differences. And yet, God, you're wanting to do something glorious in our midst, because you're knitting us together as a building in which God lives by His Spirit. Oh God, thank you that you live here by your Spirit. So it matters that we tend to the relationships here. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to move. Move on people's hearts. Where people need to get right, let them get right. Where people need to pray for each other or just introduce themselves one to another. Let that happen naturally as we worship you.